Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stab 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How could the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is uh, your host, Chris, here at Inside the Sequel. You know, this is the podcast show where we talk about sequel movies that we absolutely love and maybe we forget to give enough love to, and, and we need to bring them um, acknowledgement to their original counterparts. Um, so welcome back. I hope you uh, enjoyed our last episode with Matt Bledsoe, which we talked about RoboCop 2 and a little bit of RoboCop 3 as well because it's a Christmas movie. And that got me thinking, if RoboCop 3 is a Christmas movie, why don't we actually talk about real Christmas movie? And we brought someone who absolutely loves the season, and uh, we were talking about a Disney sequel. So we have Daniel from Cobwebs here to talk about the Santa Claus 2. He's the greatest Santa the world has ever known. I love what you guys do, thinking outside the box. Thanks, Santa. You're the man. That's why they gave me the big belly. He's made his list and checked it twice, but he forgot to read. The single most important detail in the history of Christmas. The fine print. I've got to get married? Yes. It's Mrs. Claus. Walt Disney Pictures presents Tim Allen. I don't think there's a woman out there that doesn't want a piece of this. The Santa Claus 2. Uh, but Daniel, you're on here for the second time, and I'm so excited to have you. I can't remember how many times I've been on your podcast, so uh, I'm sure everyone's very familiar with our um, relationship. Exclusively romantic, of course. Um, but for those who haven't... Um, Heard your voice before, which uh, is a big shame. Uh, why don't you say hi and introduce yourself? Hey, Chris. Uh, thanks a lot for having me, man. And I'm very honored to be on my sequel appearance on Inside <laughs> the Sequel. This is uh, Daniel on Inside the Sequel Part 2, Electric Boogaloo? I wanted to think of something more creative, but honestly, Electric Boogaloo is just... It is the perfect subtitle, right? I mean, even if it's a little overplayed. Oh, I would say the cobwebs uh, strikes back. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> but those of you who don't know, uh, I do host a podcast called Cobwebs, and Chris has labeled the listeners cobwebs. 100%. It's going to be on t-shirts. But whenever you say, uh, this is Dan from Cobwebs, I always think this is Dan Merle from Screen Junkies. First of all, I or don't Pro- say Dan. I say Daniel because nobody calls me Dan. I just think Dan from, uh, not Screen Junkies, or is it from Screen Junkies? Well, he used to be. He actually left Screen Junkies, but on good terms, he went to start his own YouTube channel, which, I, you know, I got to say, I didn't know that Dan Merle was my favorite part of Screen Junkies, but I've never watched Screen Junkies since he left, but I do watch his YouTube channel from time to time. He's like, he's like the only person who's, who like, I'm interested in him talking about the latest movie news, especially when it comes to like the business side of the movie industry. He does offer interesting commentary about that kind of stuff. And I don't really watch anyone else talk about that kind of stuff because I don't care. I'd rather listen to people talk about weird old movies that nobody cares about except me. Well, I mean, that's a good point. There's not a lot of movies, but there, I, I think there's a resurgence with the old movies. And I think you're kind of helping with that with your uh, podcast show. 
Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's a small yeah, it's a, a small podcast, but um, you know, I started it cuz I wanted to bring a little more light to Hammer movies in particular, but I do talk about other things, but Hammer movies is definitely my jam. And um <laughs> and, and and we definitely get more Hammer talk now than when I started it. And again, like I've said this before, I don't think it's because of me. Like that's I think that would, that's ridiculous. My listenership is not that big. Uh, it's it's a lot of because of um Screen Factory cuz they've been releasing a lot of Hammer movies and and I love that. You do love that, but uh, it's isn't it kind of nice that you're getting a break from talking about um, gothic movies and you're getting to talk about some Christmas cheering films? Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm I'm filled with the Christmas cheer. You know, I for a few years in my adulthood, I, I got a little bit sad because I felt like Christmas just isn't special like it used to be and now i've come to terms with the fact that i don't think christmas is going to be really special again until i have kids because right now you're like you know i'm an adult and i don't get all excited about like my parents or my in-laws buying me presents you know like in fact sometimes i just feel like i'm a little too old for this like you should just get me something small i don't need a bunch of i don't need a bunch of gifts like i'm an adult i can buy myself stuff but um (laughs) but i do love the christmas season because uh, I love Christmas music, like I honestly do, um, and I I like Christmas movies, and I love Christmas decorations. I love putting them up. Um, I just I don't love actual Christmas Day anymore because you know I'm at the age where like Christmas Day should be getting presents and stuff for my kids, but I don't have kids yet. So I think I'm gonna love it again one day. But um, yeah. That's really interesting. I, I think I'm at that point now where I look at um, the masses, um, maskless masses, and um, getting rushing to get Christmas presents. And I'm just over here, a 24 year old, being like, capitalism is ruining Christmas. <laughs> you know? <Just laughs> like Ever since, like, what, the 1950s, probably? Probably. I don't know. I just, I've been feeling more like Christmas used to actually be my favorite holiday, but then at some point Halloween overtook that. And then the older I've gotten, the more I felt guilty about getting gifts. So I'm kind of with you at that point. I always ask for underwear (laughs) and socks for Christmas. Well, you do like very expensive underwear. So very silky, very soft, (laughs) very revealing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember in college when uh, uh, you would start playing Christmas music in like November and then we would just like like off switch days where we're just playing Christmas music and it just kept going and going. (laughs) I do start listening to Christmas music in November, especially this year. I was tempted a bit in October because it snowed at one point in October where I live. And I was like, Oh, I just want to listen to Christmas music. Actually that night, um, my wife, Stephanie and I, who's been on your show before, uh, to talk about a Disney sequel, Incredibles two, another Mm -hmm. Disney sequel. Um, we watched Krampus that night because like, yes, it's a horror movie I can watch in October, but it's a Christmas movie and it's snowing outside. So it just felt right. Yeah, shout out to you for bringing Krampus to my life. I was so late to the party with that movie, and you kept talking about it, talking about it, and when I bought it, uh, I really liked it too. It was a really good time. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't get like a, another Krampus movie. I know we got like some low-budget, like straight-to-DVD ones, but um, I really liked that first one. Yeah, well, the director, Michael Doherty, I, I never know quite how to pronounce his name, Doherty or something like that. Or Doherty. Yeah. He also made Trick or Treat, and that's another movie that is so ripe for a sequel and hasn't gotten it yet. Like, they keep saying it's going to come out, but I'm starting to feel like it's like Avatar 2, where I'm like, is it going to come out? Or Black Widow, even. Are we going to see Black Widow? Like, Disney, chill with all these TV show announcements. You've already made Black Widow. Just let me watch that. Just let me watch that. But they, but no, apparently not. Yeah, we're living in a backwards world now where HBO Max is the number one streaming service and it's dropping all these insane movies all at once with not telling anybody. And then Marvel is announcing all these things that 
we don't know if we're going to come out. It's so weird, you know? It's just a weird time. Well, HBO Max is the top streaming service because they released an American Pickle. You can't beat that. I they saw have quite that a movie. few selections of kaiju Godzilla movies, so that's why they're number one in my book. Oh, very nice, very nice. They they have like a whole TCM section, and you can watch like a lot of classic film on there. Um, so yeah, I respect them for that for sure. Yeah, TCM. That's a that's a it's a good channel. I used to watch a few times next to AMC. Yep, I, the like, Texas Chainsaw Dead. Massacre channel. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TCM too. We'll have to talk about that at some point. Well, that's a Christmas um, movie because it's about family. Thirteen years ago. Audiences across America were horrified by the savagery of a faceless killer. In the wake of this bizarre rampage, he vanished. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. The Buzz is back. Directed by Toby Hooper. Right? Right? Yeah, but aren't all the Fast and Furious movies about that too? Yes, which is why uh, I actually just watched the original Fast and Furious the other day. And uh, I still love it. It's great. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I honestly wish, like, and I like the new Fast and Furious movies. In, in some cases, I love them. But I'm like, I want you to take it back a bit. Like, let's go back to basics. Let's 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 chill. Like, they say they're going to go to space. And I'm like, I don't need that. Honestly, like, in the original one, they're stealing DVD players. They should be stealing PS5s now. I want a Fast and Furious movie about Dom and the gang stealing PS5s. But that's not going to happen. That would be awesome. It'd be the perfect Christmas caper for sure. At, yes, a Christmas Fast and Furious or a Fast and Furious Christmas. That's much better. How is that not actually a thing yet? Oh, like that, that, it feels like it's ripe for that. Yeah, I want to see them around a tree opening gifts. I want to see Dom wearing a Christmas hat. That's right. Drinking a Corona, watching Mia and everyone open their gifts. You can drink any eggnog you want as long as it's a Corona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, why do we get more race wars? That's what I've always been upset about. That's why I jumped off the franchise after three movies. No race wars. Dude, I love it when in the original when Paul Walker's like he's been told by his his cop boss like you gotta you got like three hours to bring this guy in or whatever so it goes to dom uh-huh. and he's like you're involved in something and i want in and dom just like <laughs> come to race wars let's see how you do then we'll talk and i'm like oh he's <laughs> only gonna bring him in if he's uh, gonna win race wars all right oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that movie's so good I, I i it's like one of those i just love that movie <laughs> have you yeah. seen point break point break with like keanu, the keanu reeves? reeves one Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fast and Furious is basically a Point Break remake, which is great. Yeah, I, I I watched the first three, so it was Fast and Furious and Tokyo Drift. Those are the only other sequels I've seen. I didn't even see Fast Four. I guess would be the next one. So, and from then on, I never watched any of the other ones after that. Oh man! Um, but it's kind of it's kind of impressive that a franchise like that in today's film world that we're getting so many sequels to a franchise like that, and it's like beloved. You know, I don't feel like. We've gotten anything like that in a long time outside the horror genre, maybe. And the Mission Impossibles, I guess. Well, yeah, Fast and Furious is a very rare action movie franchise nowadays. Like, you've got Mission Impossible. You've kind of got James Bond, but my God, they wait a long time in between entries. It's ridiculous. Uh, and then you got Fast and Furious. So, yeah, those are those are kind of the big action movie franchises. And outside of that, you get um, superhero movies. Except it seems like you're not going to anymore. It seems like superhero movies are going to become superhero streaming TV shows. 
So I wonder if action movies are going to kind of replace superhero movies like in the cinemas um, after this quarantine th- thing chills out. That would be very interesting. That That is very interesting. I could see that taking place. You just put big name actors inside these action movies and, you know, I could see that. I don't know. The, it's weird with superhero movies because uh, on my podcast, I do plan on talking about non-MCU superhero movies um, because, like, I just love those. But with the new Disney announcements for all these things, it is weird. I feel like Disney kind of overheard a bunch of people saying, like, I'm done with the MCU. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm fatigued after Far From Home. And they were like, well, we still got to make money with this property. So they're like, the CW's been doing it for a long time. So why can't we get a piece of that pie? I think they are trying to get a piece of that pie. But I don't think they're worried about their audience because, I mean, Endgame and Far From Home. Well, Endgame's the top movie in the world. And uh, yeah. Far From Home made a ton of money, too. So, they, I mean, they haven't had a flop yet, so I don't think they're worried about that. Um, I, I, I guess they're moving to streaming because of the pandemic, I guess. But, you know, I, I don't know. I'm a little confused about that. I'm wondering why they're not going to kind of hold their ground. and Because, um, the, like, the vaccine is coming. And after that, will movie theaters – maybe movie theaters won't go back to normal, honestly. I don't know. This is a, too big a conversation for me, honestly. Does Disney know something we don't know? Uh, there is no vaccine. I don't know. <laughs> they, they, they knew something we didn't know because they knew that the Santa Claus needed a sequel. And they gave us one in 2002. That's right. That's right. What's the better movie out of 2002? Is it Spider-Man or is it Santa Claus 2? Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> or Fellowship of the Ring as well. Or was that Two Towers? I can't remember. But um, the Santa Claus 2. Do you remember when you watched that movie? Oh, no. Um, I've seen the Santa Claus 1 and 2 ever since I was very, very young, Uh, especially Santa Claus 1. Like, that was one of the movies that I watched over and over and over again when I was a kid. Yeah, okay. That's what I was... Yeah, I don't think... The Santa Claus 2 was a late bloomer one for me. I didn't really watch that growing up. I've always watched the first one because that's the only one we had on VHS. I think I watched the second one when it was on the Disney Channel. If you you remember the Disney Channel, they put on Christmas movies I've heard of the Disney Channel, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's on Disney Plus or not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But that's how I watched it. I never actually owned it until I got the Blu-ray in the trilogy set, which I would put um, right next to um, trilogies where the third one doesn't really hold up uh, with like the Godfathers and then the the RoboCop trilogies and then the (laughs) Spider-Man trilogies. That third one just doesn't... Well, the Godfather might be a little asterisk. I kind of like that third one, but that's where I would probably put the Santa Claus trilogy. Um, but that second one, man, it's, I'm glad you wanted to, uh, talk about it because it is like, I've seen that movie like maybe once or twice. I really haven't seen that one as much as the Santa Claus. Cause I really wait for Christmas Eve, Christmas day to watch the original. And it's like, okay, now I'm done with Christmas movies after the 25th. So it's like, I really only get that first one in and then I didn't watch the second after that. Okay. Yeah. The first one, it, um, for a while I thought maybe, well, this wasn't the case when I was a kid, but I mean as an adult, I thought maybe I like the second one better because – but that's really just because – and we'll get into more specifics, but there's one particular scene in A Santa Claus 2 that is, the I think, the best thing the Santa Claus series has ever offered. So Santa Claus 2 has the height, um, the highest high, I'll say. But Santa Claus 1, it does have this level of magic to the whole Santa Claus mythology – that is just not present in the second one really at all. Because yeah. I love a lot about Santa Claus 2, but everything at the North Pole is terrible. And that is not the case with Santa Claus 1. There is some stupid there is some stupid BS in the first one, undoubtedly. 
But yeah. the the whole Santa Claus mythology is treated with this magical reverence. Uh, there's beautiful music. The North Pole looks very pretty. Um, the elves um, are sort of treated in almost like this reverential way, like they're these little angels, um, except for the elves with attitude, of course. They're, they're little yeah. devils, aren't they? <laughs> but um, but, it, but it, it's a lovely place. And in Santa Claus 2, it is green screen bullshit, undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, we watched uh, The Christmas Chronicles 2, you, you, you know? And I'm trying I to forget think- it. Yeah, well, this movie with the North Pole really reminded me of that, too. And I'm like, they seem like the same North Pole. Yeah, well, they're both green screen bullshit and really bad green screen. And you can obviously see that a bunch of actors are standing in front of a green screen. And I don't like I understand some some movies can do green screen well, like, um, you know, those last two Avengers movies, Infinity War and Endgame. Too much CGI. Sure. But. It's it's good looking CGI for the most part. Endgame it's a little spottier, but I think especially Infinity War, it just it looks really really beautiful. But if your green screen is not like perfect, it's gonna take me out of the movie, man. And and uh, this one's point. pretty bad. Yeah, with Christmas movies, um, I don't know. I feel like practical effects is, are like a mainstay for Christmas movies. You know, they should be like fun and cheery and heartwarming movies where you use practical effects and you, you bring actors and real people into these movies to make that magic feel good, which I think the first movie did a lot of really well, except a few scenes like when he's going under the, the rooftop. And I think the best parts, like you said in the, in the second one, um, which we'll, we'll talk about not just yet, but I don't know, like the parts where he's in the, the human world and not in the North pole, everything is with real people, real actors everywhere. And it looks great. It just looks pretty, you know? Well, you know what Christmas movie has the best practical effects, right? John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm. <laughs> no, it's not a Christmas movie, but it does take place at the snow. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I was going to say, you listen to Nathan's YouTube video where he talks about The Thing as one of his Christmas movies. We're talking about The Thing. Oh, Ania Morricone's score just transcends this film. Holy shit, this film is just amazing. Practical effects, John Carpenter's uh, direction, Kurt Russell's performance, everyone's performance in this film, the grotesque practical effects, everything about this speaks just how joyous this film is for me. Oh, you know what? I didn't make it to that. Actually, I, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, Nathan. I didn't finish that video. <laughs> I need to get on it. I need to get on it. Uh, um, here's my big thing, though, about the Santa Claus 2. So the first one I like, it just has such a, because it came out in 1992, I think, or no, 1994. 94. Yeah. And it feels like such a early 90s like i don't know it just feels like that early 90s magic from disney um and which i really liked because they had that disney renaissance but they took eight years to make the second one it which I, I was surprised by uh it, it was like man that took so long and it just in the early 2000s i feel like disney with their movies i don't feel like it was a really high point and i feel like the some parts of that leak into the Santa Claus, but then somebody luckily within that boardroom was like, well, we got to keep a lot of that good stuff from the original and they, and the, it works really well in the second. Um, but I was really impressed cause I totally forgot. They basically bring everyone back for this sequel, which I think was a really smart move. Like they brought Charlie back and he's a lot older. I actually really like Charlie in the movie because it's the same actor and they bring, bring Neil and everyone else. And I don't know. I just, it feels like a, a reunion and I kind of like that. I like that too. Yeah. And that's, one of the strongest parts of this movie is that the cast comes back. And I, I agree. I really like Charlie in this movie. I mean, he's just, 
I mean, I could see you being a little bit annoyed by him in the first one, but you know, when I first saw the Santa Claus, I was Charlie's age, so you know, I see myself as Charlie. Except I didn't believe in Santa. My parents never, never uh, tried to get me to believe in Santa, so I never did. But anyway, um, but he's the actor is good in this movie, and I actually like the direction they took with him. Um, they made him an interesting character where he could have not been, you know. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. I think <clears throat> his screen time is a lot smaller in this movie than it was in the first movie. Mm-hmm. At least it feels like that to me. But each time he's in the movie, um, it means like like you have to pay attention. You know, that's what I like when he's on screen. It's like something is going to happen. It's going to progress the story of the movie more. Um, I think it's just the the actor is just really good for him. Like I've always been synonymous with like my inner childhood being that Charlie from the first movie. You know. And now with watching the second movie, I feel like I remember a time when Christmas wasn't waking up at like 6 a.m. to open presents, which I was a weirdo like that. I waked up so early to do that. But now it's more or less like, you know, it's just celebrating the season of it. And that's what Charlie kind of feels like. He he wants to kind of, you know, like with that character, Lucy, who I totally forgot about her character, the little the little girl who's Neil's son. Uh, daughter excuse me i really like her she's really great in this movie oh she's adorable her name is spencer breslin and i believe she's related to yeah she is uh she's sisters with abigail breslin who for a while was by far the most successful child actor in hollywood (laughs) until she grew up and then the only thing she was able to do was like zombie land 2 um i don't understand why people aren't casting abigail breslin a little bit more but anyway um you know what's weird about these first two santa claus movies is they're they are movies that both of us really loved when we were kids, especially that first one. But they're very much about adults and adult concerns. And I'm not saying they're overly like mature or in- intellectual movies. I'm not saying that. But if you think about that first one, it's very much about uh, divorce and getting along with your ex-wife and your job. And like you work too much and you're not able to see your kid enough and all this stuff. And then the second one is about trying to find love when you're middle-aged and dating is hard. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that all these things that you can't really relate to when you're a kid, but clearly we did. Cause we, especially me with both of them. Like I loved both when I was a kid and you at least loved that first one. Yeah. I, it's a good point. I kept thinking that. And I, I think it's only, you can only do that with Tim Allen being your lead for that kind of thing. Cause the things he says, even though they're probably adultish and you probably can't under really comprehend what he's meaning when he says these things, just his charm and his voice is like enough for me. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's uh, it's all the cocaine, right? That really helps. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like I like Tim Allen. Uh, he's he's kind of an obnoxious individual in real life, but on screen, I do like him. I think he's a good Santa. I think my only problem with him as Santa is, especially in the second one, the makeup is a bit distracting. Like it's a bit much. You know, like I, Kurt Russell is just a better Santa because. He, I, I think they probably did something to make his beard a little bigger, but overall, like he does look like that and they don't really try to hide what Kurt Russell looks like. Whereas with Tim <laughs> Allen, like he, he's buried in a lot of makeup and, and that can be a bit distracting at times, but I, I do think he's a good Santa. Yeah. I, 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 I think, yeah, especially in the second one, the, the makeup is very evident. Um, I don't know, like the sequel, I, I, I actually like it a lot more than I remembered. I used to remember thinking, eh, like I watch two if it's on TV, but like popping it in, I'll probably incorporate it more now because um, it's, it's like the same thing with RoboCop 2. 
it just feels like it expands the original movie a lot more, you know? It just, even though it's eight years more, it feels like a continuation in the long overarching story of Tim Allen's Santa Claus. And I like sequels that do that because I like being invested in these worlds and in these people's worlds. And I really care about Charlie and Neil and, and everyone else. And I just feel like the second movie rewards you for enjoying that first movie. Cause it's eight years ago, but like, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think Tim Allen's wife and, and, and Neil or ex-wife and Neil. And them, they remember that magical time in that first movie and they reference it and they, they're so supportive of him in the second movie. And you're like, this feels natural. Of course they would be supportive of him for after eight years of him being away from his family and being Santa, he's, um, you know, they, they've cared about him. And I like that. It just, it, it just feels so much more invested. Yeah. I'm totally with you. I, I also really like that. Um, his ex-wife and her husband, they are like a family, an unconventional family. Mm-hmm. But Scott Calvin, who's Tim Allen's character, he is very much a part of that family, even though he's the mom's ex-husband. Um, well, uh, the, I believe the mom is named Laura, and then you've got, uh, who's played by Wendy Cresson, or Cresson, something like that. Um, and then you've got Judge Reinhold as Neil, uh, the psychiatrist. And <laughs> I, I don't know if yeah. you agree with me, but I think Judge Reinhold is the MVP of that first movie. He is so funny. He's so great. He's my favorite part of that movie. He's not the MVP of the second one. We'll get to that. But the first one, love him in that movie. Yes. He, him and Charlie's like just the, their conversations are always the best. And I just love when he's like giving um, Scott his, his card and he's like, you should call me sometime. And just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just like, yeah. Okay. So in the second movie, the banter between um, Scott and Neil um, is just, it seems like they picked off right where they left off with that first movie. And I love that. <laughs> Well, they have a better relationship in this movie for sure because, um, you know, Scott was a total dick to Neil in that first movie. And Neil, for the most part, was just a nice guy. Like, he's not really dishing it back. He just wants to get along. But, you know, Scott's just like, oh, this is my ex-wife's husband. I hate this guy. Uh, But I do like that their relationship has evolved. Neil is definitely goofier in this second one, though. He's much more overtly comic relief, whereas in the first one, he was funny, but he was like more of a real person. I don't know. Does that, do you think I'm on track with yeah, that? Yeah. He was also the engine behind getting um, Scott to realize like the, the marriage is over. Like the best thing you can do is be a part of Charlie's life. You know, like he was definitely the engine behind a lot of events in that first movie, 100%. Um, and in this one, I mean, they still acknowledge he's a psychiatrist. Um, yeah. I mean, he's mostly just, he, he's still supportive overall. He's always been more like on um, Scott's side than maybe even um, even like, I don't know, like see his ex-wife. I feel like they argued a lot in the first movie, but like Neil was always kind of like okay with Scott going against her wishes to see Charlie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the first one, they even got a restraining order against him. That was intense. <laughs> That's another like kind of like adult thing that they deal with in that first movie. It's kind of weird. Is this why we're all messed up now? Is because we were <laughs> indulging in these... Uh, that's why the divorce rate is so high now. We all grew up watching the Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's my overall thoughts on the Santa Claus 2. I find this a very interesting movie. Because it's a movie that I like half love and half hate. Because I think everything in the real world in this movie, pretty much everything, is great. Is like really, really good. Because I, my favorite thing about this movie is like... It's kind of a mature, well-done romance between two middle-aged people. And I, I find that a strange thing to find in a Disney sequel from 2002, but I do think it's here. But everything on the North Pole 
I think it sucks so bad. I hate it. It's not just the bad green screen. I hate Toy Santa. Plastic Santa that they create. Because of the, ultimately, the plot of this movie is they figure out, oh, shoot, we need a Mrs. Claus. Santa Claus has to marry or the ma- Christmas magic is going to go away and he's not going to be able to be Santa Claus anymore. It's really something that they should have realized a long time ago, but they did not. And now he has like a few days to find a wife. Um, So they create like a toy clone of Santa, which is a baffling idea that this little Curtis uh, played by Spencer Breslin, who I think is also related to, no, not Spencer Breslin. What is Kurt? Yeah, that's his name. You know what? I lied. Uh, Lucy was played not by a Breslin. Curtis was played by a Breslin. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Spencer Breslin is Curtis, the elf. Anyway, apparently he has the power to create life. He can create a <laughs> sentient being. And like we skim over that way too fast. You know, like this is a sentient live being that Curtis the Elf has created. He feels like a Dr. Frankenstein. That's all immediately <laughs> what I kept thinking. I was like, wow, this is like Frankenstein right here. It's cool. Yep, yep, yep. It's wild. And I hate that character. I hate Tim Allen's performance as that character. It's so goofy and stupid and ridiculous and god awful, and I hate it. Stop the work, please. Everybody, stop the work. Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's nice. I have a little announcement to make. From this moment forward, we're not going to make any more toys. The children of the world don't deserve these presents. They're running rampant with naughtiness. So for this Christmas, we're going to give those greedy, selfish little kids exactly what they deserve. A beautiful, high-quality, yet low-sulfur variety of coal. It's ugly. It's very ugly. Yes. I could see the paint under his eyes throughout the... That's what my biggest distraction was, like, the paint under his eyes to make him look plastic. Oof. Oof. Um, but, yeah, it's just... It's such a weird um, choice to do that because I feel like just a race against time kind of movie would have been more than enough for this sequel. Getting Tim to fall in love would have been more than enough for a sequel movie, and it would have been just as funny. He brings a reindeer with him, which kind of serves as, like, the comic gags uh, points in the in the in the human world, which I think would have been just enough cringe to make the movie really enjoyable. But I don't know why they bring out a second plot, unless they really wanted to catapult um, Curtis's uh, the actor that plays him into a very successful actor because he has a lot of screen time, and I know he's also in the Cat in the Hat live action movie too, and I can never forget him in that. Um, and <laughs> you get a lot more Bernard in this movie, and I really like Bernard in the first movie and his relationship with Charlie. In this movie, you don't get too much of Bernard and Charlie; it's just kind of separate. It's like it's like Scott Calvin's son in um, the North Pole, and then Scott Calvin's son in the real world. It feels like kind of in a way. Um, but I just there's some parts in the North Pole I did like. Like I like the parts where he's acknowledged like the different beings of the holidays are with him. Like you get the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy. Like that's just kind of fun. Like it's a, it's definitely for the kids. But I kind of enjoy it, and I also love seeing Peter Boyle return from the first movie. But this time it's Father Time. I really like that. I also like the acknowledgement of like. Him saying, hey, I'm not going to be Santa if I don't get married. And they're like, oh, but but what do they say? Christmas Christmas cheer has, has been up 85% since you've taken the, the job. And I'm like, Haha, that feels kind of like politics in a way. I kind of like that. Feels like corporate um, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that. I don't know why. It, just, it, it, it makes me feel like this world is so much more um, better than like before Scott became Santa. And uh, I don't know. I just I, 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 Those are the parts I like. But boy, why do they make toy santa read the rule book and then like get coal 
is like, I don't know. I, I just don't get it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like it doesn't at all. Um, and then he builds toy soldiers, which I did some research. Apparently those were real costumes that they made people wear and they were really heavy and uncomfortable apparently. So people had to suffer for those God awful scenes with the toy soldiers, um, which makes me annoyed. But, um, I don't know. It just, it just feels weird. It feels like somebody just wanted to push technology or be like, eh, let's make the movie a little bit longer. Cause this is the longest one of all the Santa Claus movies. Oh, I don't know. fun fact. I love what you pointed out there and you're so right. This movie does not need a villain. It's not necessary. Santa trying to find a wife in enough time is more than enough plot. Like that first movie doesn't have a villain. Like the conflict of that first movie is that Scott Calvin turning into Santa is in conflict with his real life. And what does he do about that? And how does he, Mm -hmm. and, and it's especially in conflict because he wants to have a relationship with his son, but the rest of the world is not okay with him becoming Santa. So that's a problem. And that's enough. And, and, and this first movie has enough plot too. I don't need a villain. I kind of hate it when family movies, especially introduce a villain character when it's unnecessary. Cause I'm like, this is just a family movie. Like we don't need someone trying to kill anybody. We don't need a, we certainly don't need a toy Santa wearing like a Stalin esque fascist uniform and becoming a fascist dictator in the North pole. Like not, not necessary, not good, not entertaining, not good in any possible way. But I do love all the human stuff in this movie. It's really great. Yeah, I wonder. I'm wondering if Trumpies would like be watching the Santa Claus too and be like, you know what, Toy Santa's got some good points. <laughs> you know what people like better than freedom? Order. And Toy Santa That's brings right. order. That's right. They they've been they've been breaking a lot of rules there. It's a it's a it's like a HR nightmare at this at the North Pole apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas cheer um, is down fifteen percent. <laughs> You know, I kind of like some of the references though in the in the the North Pole. Like Tim Allen, like he's basically because he's Buzz Lightyear and it's a Disney property or Pixar at least. Oh, and yeah. he's like, you know, he's like, what does he say? Um, like you're a strange little man when he's like Toy Santa and it's like elves. I'm like, ha, that's a Toy Story reference. And he's like having his his tool belt like from Home Improvement. Like I didn't notice <laughs> those things in the like when I, I first watched the second one, but like the second definitely. Uh, rewatch or third rewatch, I guess for me, it's like I started to catch these things and I like them. Uh, I think the Santa Claus one and two, because I think they really coincide well with the message. Is I like how even though Scott Calvin is divorced, it really shows, um, you know, like the importance of like getting along and being an adult about these like divorce and like trying to incorporate yourself in like your your kid's life because it shows in the second one, especially if you're absent. Um, you know, your kid is going to, you know, out, you know, out, like outlash basically towards everyone. And Charlie comes out and says like, I just, I can't talk about my dad and I, I'm, I don't see you enough because it's been freaking eight years since I've seen you. We don't know how many times he's come in and out, but, um, with Scott realizing he needs to, you know, make decisions and stuff. I really like that. It's, it's, it's a good message that, um, you sometimes you need to pause from work to spend time with your family. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this question. Do you think it's stupid or do you think it works that the problem charlie's having and the real the reason that he's kind of a troubled youth that he's in and out of trouble at school is that he's an artist who won't stop graffitiing on school walls like do you think that's kind of dumb and it should be something more realistic like i don't know pot or something like that (laughs) or do you think that that's that's good enough 
I don't know. I think the I think the graffiti is kind of annoying. Like that's why he's getting in so much trouble for graffiti. But at the same time, he's doing artwork that's gonna call out his his um his principal. Like yeah. he's making her like anti Christmas. And like Scott is such a big part of his life and literally is Christmas. I could see that kind of working. I don't think his punishment should be that severe though. Like. She, she runs a tight ship there, um, Elizabeth Mitchell. Yeah, I, I think I think it's fine. Like, um, I don't know. It's uh, I mean, he's a real, really, really, really good artist. But um, I guess it's just his way of maybe getting attention from his dad because you know so, some kids, you know, they they act out just so they can get attention from their parents who are a bit absent. And um, mm-hmm. and maybe also that he's kind of lashing out against the principal for being anti-Christmas. It's a way to especially get his dad's attention. But I, I think now is the time that we have to talk about um, Elizabeth Mitchell as Principal Carol Newman, who for me is the MVP of this movie. Dude, she is my queen. I <laughs> love her in this movie. She is so – first of all, like, she's ridiculously beautiful. But that aside, like, I think she is so good in this movie. And I think she legitimately has, like, fantastic chemistry with Tim Allen – and I love, love their romance. And I love this character. I, I just think it's, it, it's great. Cause like, I don't know, it could be a stupid trope that like, you know, she's like the icy businesswoman, and she just needs the Christmas guy to come in and melt her heart. And I mean, that's like the plot of so many God awful Hallmark Christmas movies, <laughs> which is its own discussion on its own. But, um, but I just don't think it comes across like that. Like, I really feel like she feels like a real person and she doesn't, even though like she's icy in the beginning or whatever, she's never a bad person. And she always like anything she does that's quote unquote, like less makes her less appealing to the audience or anything. It's really just because she cares so much about the kids at that school and she cares so Mm -hmm. much about her job and she takes it all very seriously. And it's never treated as a bad thing that she takes her job Mm -hmm. so seriously and that she is a career woman. And she just feels like – she really feels like a real person to me. And they had, they just have so much chemistry. And when I said that this movie is the highest high of the franchise, the whole date scene from when he shows up at her house to say if she wants to get noodles to the end when they're kissing under the mistletoe, that is my favorite thing in this franchise. That whole sequence is so good. Oh, yeah. I want I, – I wish Tim Allen took me on a date and treated me like that. Like, it's, it's so magical. <laughs> Sleigh ride with Snowfall, and uh, you talk about your childhood issues with him, and he listens, and he cares. <laughs> Hell, yeah, dude. All on the first date. No, no baggage. Just get it all out there. Um, I really like her, too. No, I, I agree. I think she works a lot more as I, I'm an adult now. Like, I can understand that relationship, and I can also understand the – the you know like the having to work you know like she's an educator and i can only imagine how hard of being a principal can be in a public school so any criticism of, make, of thinking like she's a bad person or, or like you know she needs the icy heart melted i think she's just doing her job and it's, she's doing it pretty well like she talks about it like she's running a public school that has limited funds but is like one of the top public schools in the area I'm like that's like by that's a huge feat in its own um that's the big villain of this movie. It's uh, the lack of funds towards education because she has she can't even put up she can't even afford to put Christmas lights up because everything's having to go to the school. That's right. The uh, real, villain real villain is the United States military budget that's sucking up all the money. <laughs> that's it's going towards uh, Santa's uh, army in the North Pole. Oh, that's right. Secretly. That's right. <laughs> uh, she is great, and I did notice, like you said, that's a great way to say it. The highest of the highs, boy. If like. 
there wasn't a second or a third, but they put in the romance of the Tim Allen stuff in the first movie as well. Good God, it would have been an amazing movie. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like I'm torn because it's like, this is such great stuff happening, but then it cuts back to what's going on at the North Pole. Each scene, it's just cut, cut, cut back to each one. And I'm like, why are we having to do this? You know, it's such an infuriating thing. Um, I think she's, she's such a, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I, I I just love how she's kind of going back and forth with uh, Tim Allen in the movie where he's like being nice, but she's honestly being like in the real world. And she's like, this isn't some fantasy that you're living in. I love that kind of chemistry there. Yeah. They have great chemistry. If I'm going to talk about the romance in this movie, I've got to, I've got to give a shout out to my buddy, Adam risky at the F this movie podcast. Cause he is very much in agreement, agreement with me. In fact, he was the first person that I've ever heard talk about this movie positively or even talk about this movie at all. But he likes this movie for the same reasons I do for Elizabeth Mitchell mainly. And he always talks about the moment when she, when they're back at her place and she like closes the curtains and like rolls over the top of the couch (laughs) onto the couch. And he's just always like, that is the hottest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Cause she's like, it's very much like, Oh, she wants Tim Allen. Like they're going to bone if he just doesn't say he's Santa, but he ruins it. And he says he's Santa. So they don't, they don't get busy. And that's very depressing. Who would have thought saying you're Santa is the biggest female repellent? <laughs> I kept thinking, is it Santa Claus needs to get a wife? Or is it like, do we need it? It's been eight years and we need to get Santa laid. Santa just I always needs get to confused. get laid, man. No, I think it's actually the wife, but it's probably partly the laid thing as well. Santa's back I love- down there. <laughs> She her transition throughout the whole movie is awesome to see. Like she's like all business, you know, running this tight ship, and then like having comical gestures with uh, Tim Allen because he's ridiculous. And then to her kind of noticing that he's a lot more than just the the, the Christmas guy. But like then she becomes like giddy and like really goofy and fun with him at her place. And you know, I like seeing that transition of her. You know, it just it feels like we're progressing with this very quick relationship, and I like it. Um, well, we got to remember that one of the reasons I think she she starts treating him more favorably is he loses weight and his hair degrades. <laughs> it's like when he first shows up, he's like half Santa. So he's fat and he has like a gray beard. And and then by the time they start chilling out, like his Santa look is gone and he just looks like Tim Allen, which is a decently attractive, normal looking middle aged man. So and he's over six feet tall, too. We've got to I've got to get this off my chest. Here's something that's always bugged me about this movie. So I'm going to jump to the end for a second. They get married. He turns back into Santa. And I'm always like, she didn't sign up for this. She didn't (laughs) sign up for a guy that looks like this, who's like big and fat and has a giant white beard. Like she signed up for Tim Allen, which again, attractive, normal looking middle-aged dude. That's who she married. That's not fair. Yeah, that's so weird. And she's totally cool with it. And then at the end credits where she's dancing while the credits are rolling. She doesn't look real. She looks like she has makeup on. Looks like she they're putting does. her like a, yeah. She looks like she's wearing makeup, and they're putting her slightly in a fat suit. And I'm like, why does she have to be, they like a, like just as big as Santa? <laughs> yeah, they uh <laughs> they made her look more like the traditional Mrs. Claus in that end credits. But then in Santa Claus Three, they take it away, and they're like, no, we're just gonna have Elizabeth Mitchell be beautiful again. <laughs> but Tim <laughs> Allen's still fat. <laughs> I feel bad. Like I'm not. Oh, God, I don't mean to fat shame or anything like that. I'm just saying that, like, she didn't 
know this was what she was marrying into. You know what I mean? Yeah, he peacocked her for sure. He made himself look like so attractive and desirable. And then he's like, ah, just kidding. I'm actually Santa, big and jolly. (laughs) Sometimes I think like, okay, so she agrees to marry him, even though like they barely known each other and it's going to change her whole life. Like she's got to live at North Pole now. But the last time I watched it, I was thinking, you know what? The real world is not that great. And if you have the chance to like live up at the North Pole where things are awesome and fun and Christmassy and there's all these cookies and hot chocolate and blah, 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 like maybe you should just take that. Like maybe you should just take it. Like if you moved up to North Pole in 2002, you're never going to have to deal with COVID and you're never going to have to deal with Trump. <laughs> you're not really going to have to worry about it because you get to live at the North Pole. And like I think she made the right call. That's all I'm saying. She made the right so, call. So, so, so true. Um yeah, I would I would leave the education field just to go into anything else too. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Think how much less stress it's going to be, like for real. Seriously. She deserves um, it. One scene I really liked, like it, it could be kind of like people could be like, "Oh, this is so like corny and like over the top, like oh moment," but I really like it. I like when Lucy is with um Charlie and um, t- um Scott Calvin comes down the chimney as Santa. And Charlie explains to Lucy that that's Uncle Scott. And I just love that scene so much. I, I, I just, it, it reminds me so much of like being a kid and being happy about things, you know? Yeah, that kid is ridiculously cute. Anything she does is great. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those low key moments where I'm like, oh, this movie is worth it for these kind of scenes alone. Um, I was so confused though with the reindeer. Like, <laughs> is that Rudolph, like the, the 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 punky little one who has a hard time landing <laughs> in that god awful chase scene to leave the North Pole? No, uh, so that reindeer has a name that is the most like stereotypical frat boy douchebag name. Do you know what it is? <laughs> it's Chet. That reindeer is named Chet. That reindeer is some real Chet energy right there. <laughs> He kept making human noises, and I'm like, "What is this reindeer? Did he get dropped or something?" And they, I like, I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> it is weird. The reindeer in this series, they look pretty ridiculous. The CGI is not too bad, but um, the reindeer are not my favorite part of these Santa Claus movies for sure. Yeah, I kind of wanted Scott Calvin to, instead of having his reindeer eat chocolate, I wanted him to give it booze like Arnold Schwarzenegger did in Jingle All the Way. That's right. Amen. By the way, the kid who plays Charlie, his name is Eric Lloyd. I looked into it. He's not related to Jake Lloyd, unfortunately. I was like, is it the Lloyd (laughs) brothers in these classic Christmas movies and the Phantom Menace? By the way, do you think it's a little sus that like they're bringing all these prequel people back in new Disney uh, Star Wars stuff and they're not bringing back Jake Lloyd? Like, shouldn't they do something with Dude, Jake Lloyd? Dude, okay. I, yeah, it is a little sus. I've had no <laughs> problems with Jake Lloyd growing up. Everyone's like, Anakin, Anakin. And then it's like, but Jingle all the way too. Like, I think he's great in both things. I really like him. Poor kid. Wouldn't it be wild if they made, like, an Anakin prequel? I don't know how old Jake Lloyd is now, so I'm not sure if it would be, like, pre-Attack of the Clones or post-Attack of the Clones and just have Jake Lloyd play him. I mean, like, it would be a real stretch. We'd have to all, like, put our heads in a different less realistic space because like we have to accept it's not Hayden Christensen but that would be crazy I would be I so him, down to see it I need him de-aged that's for sure <laughs> we need to see the post years where he's just having wet dreams about Padme for 10 years before Attack <laughs> of the Clones honestly Jake Lloyd's energy in like the early 2000s late 90s like I mess with pretty heavy like 
I, I just watch him and I'm thinking, this poor little bastard has no idea that adult men are going to get mad at him for no reason other than him being in certain movies. Yeah, I heard he kind of became an asshole, but like you can't even blame him because he just got persecuted like crazy. Like the same with the guy Ahmed Best who played Jar Jar Binks. But he is coming back. I don't think it's as Jar Jar Binks. He's going to be like hosting some, I think like Star Wars trivia quiz show that like kids are going to be on and stuff on Disney plus. Oh, that makes me, that makes me happy. And like, he had a statement that came out when he signed on for that. And he said like, you know, no matter how hard it was to take like the bullying and the abuse from Star Wars fans for years, he said, it was always the kids that made me feel better because Jar Jar Binks was for the kids and they all loved me. And I was like, Oh, that's so sweet. That does my heart good. That is sweet. I just wish we could have got like between two episodes two and three Jar Jar Binks like political thriller on Disney Plus. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> Where he's, he's like, a good it, it takes place like, like for a small section of Attack of the Clones, where it's just his decision process of whether or not to nominate emergency powers for Palpatine, and he's like having yes. all these all these like committee meetings where they're like discussing the pros and cons of should we nominate him for emergency powers, and Jar Jar has to deal with the. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds great. I love democracy. I love the republic. I would, I would, I would watch that so quickly. <laughs> that would be like the perfect place to like bring Brian Cox into the Star Wars universe, and he's like this other <laughs> senator who's like debating with Jar Jar Binks about what to do. Mm. Sounds good, right? Mm. I do love to <laughs> Brian Cox. <laughs> Uh, but no, the Santa Claus too. So I actually thought I wasn't going to enjoy it very much because I don't remember really caring for it much at all. But upon rewatching it, I actually think it's pretty good. I think take out the Santa stuff and you know, the Santa stuff is awful. Sure. But at my age, I guess right now, I don't know. I'm very patient enough. I'm just like, this is the part where I check my phone, I guess when the movie's on, oh, but yeah. then like put it down, you know, and then I start watching it more. So I think, the Santa Claus 2 for a sequel for me is like what I want it to do. It expands on the first one and also rewards you for loving that first one. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I, I got to say, I think it's one of the better Christmas movie sequels because the only Christmas movie sequel I can think of that I like more than this is obviously Die Hard 2, Die Harder, mm-hmm. which so underrated, by far the second best Die Hard movie. Really great. Renny Harlan. He's my man. Love um, that one. But other than that, I can't think of any Christmas sequels that look better because, like, what else? Home Alone 2? I mean, that's just a carbon copy of the first one. Home Alone 2 is, like, kind of useless to me. Like, who needs it when Home Alone 1 exists? Have you – do you have, like – I should have asked this earlier, but do you have, like, your Christmas slate movies, You ha- like, your staples? Because I really don't. When it comes to Christmas movies, I really kind of just for sure have to watch Jingle All the Way and uh, The Santa Claus. And now The Santa Claus 2 and Krampus for sure. But I don't know. Do you have like staples you have to watch? You still like Jingle All the Way? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I liked it when I was a kid. I can't mess with it anymore. I don't know. Um, Um, I watch a lot of – I think a lot of my Christmas movie watching is a little bit governed by – by my by Stephanie because she just cares more than I do so I just kind of watch what Christmas movie she wants to watch although if she wants to watch like one of those kind of hallmarky type of things like I can't do that and she's fine with that she doesn't expect me to watch those with her but let's see uh I I tend to always watch and I sound like a hypocrite because this is a little bit hallmarky isn't it even though it isn't technically (laughs) but uh I do love the 12 dates of Christmas which is a tv Christmas movie starring Amy Smart and who I love, and uh, Mark Paul Gossier from um, Saved by the Bell. And I love that movie. It's a Groundhog Day ripoff that just, she's asked to relive Christmas Eve over and over. 
And I just think it's really cute. Oh. And uh, Amy Smart and Mark Paul Gossier, they have really great chemistry. It's a sweet romance. So I like that movie. I tend to watch that every year. I watch uh, A Muppet's Christmas Carol every year because I love okay. it, man. It's my favorite Christmas Carol. I don't care what anybody says. I love it so much. And then, um, yeah, and then other than that, it's just like whatever I feel like watching. Like the other night we watched A Christmas Story. And actually, that's a movie like The Santa Claus I used to watch over and over again when I was a kid. But I hadn't seen it in years. Christmas Story holds up, man. By the way. If anybody wants to hear some really great discussion on A Christmas Story, they should check out the Film Feast podcast with Matt Bledsoe. They just released an episode on both A Christmas Story and It's a Wonderful Life, and that's a good, um, that's some good Christmas movie discussion. I do love It's a Wonderful Life. I don't think I watch it every year because I probably just don't want to overdo it, but I do really, really love that movie. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just, Christmas movies aren't always my cup of tea. I don't know. I feel like, for me, Christmas movies are like, I don't know. It sounds weird, but like movies that have like snow, maybe not even exactly like Christmas or they're like franchises. Like I grew up watching a lot as a kid because the Christmas season for me, reminds me of like being happy as a kid. So I want to watch movies that made me happy as a kid, even though they might not be Christmas movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. I tend to watch star Wars movies around the holiday season because, <clears throat> and that really started because of 2015 other than solo, they released every star Wars movie after force with force awakens on in the Christmas season. So now, and like, I have all these special memories of going to see the Star Wars movies around Christmas in theaters. So I, I watch Star Wars movies around Christmas now. Ah, yeah, yeah. No, same Christmas movies, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, um, <clears throat> in superhero movies too. My God, I don't know what it is about superhero movies that I love watching in December. <laughs> Interesting. Like which ones? The X-Men, the original three X-Men. I don't know why. That's a, that's a damn it, solid trilogy. I don't care what anybody says. Those are good. Yeah. Yeah, and and the Christopher Reeves Superman. Nice. I love watching those um, during Christmas because yeah. I, I, Christopher Reeves is just a, such a heartwarming human being. Like it's like he, he he's like the season of Christmas. At least he was. Yeah. Plus the um, Superman theme is like every bit as like powerful and iconic as like any classic Christmas song. You know, so like <laughs> you just hear like the Superman theme, you just get pumped up, and you feel good about the world. And you feel feel good about truth and justice in the world. That's what you should feel around Christmas time. And you got the Fortress of Solitude, which is all ice. So there you go. Very true. Very true. Here's my thing, though. Um, are you as passionate about Christmas though as Molly Shannon is in the Santa Claus too? <laughs> Maybe, but I'm not as passionate about Shania Twain as she is. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> we almost didn't talk about that scene. That would have been a crime. I kept thinking she would have been the perfect woman, but then she said she likes uh, country, and I'm like, eesh. Night Twain, baby. Yes, she does. <laughs> Instant turnoff if, if, uh, uh, for me is like if you like country music, I'm just like, gah, sorry. <laughs> I went through a phase where I really liked country music. Oh. Yeah, I got into it. I, I don't listen to it really anymore, not because I've like turned against it, but – I, I don't know, like, I got my fill of country music, and I'm probably good for the rest of my life, you know? <laughs> I, yeah. I kind of like the kind of country, how I describe it. I guess it's like folk country, where it feels legitimately like it's a guy sitting on a front porch cabin with a guitar and just, like, getting stuff out. Um, I, I, that's the kind of country I probably like more than, like, more overly produced country, I guess. And this mm. is a worthless discussion nobody cares about, so we should probably move on. <laughs> probably. But did you notice her sweater had Tim Allen's face on it? Like, it's Tim Allen's Santa Claus on her Christmas sweater? No, I did I thought that was so weird. I'm Googling <laughs> it right now because that would be – because that, that suggests that, like, somebody got a picture of, Santa, of Tim Allen's Santa, right? I don't know what that would mean for the world. <clears throat> He's been Santa for eight years. Maybe, maybe Neil leaked it or something. Oh, wait, wait. 
Good lord, it is Tim Allen Santa on her sweater. What is I going on? I noticed it and was like, what the hell? How does she, like, how did that? <laughs> I love it, but I'm like, also like, what the hell? <laughs> you have to promise me that when you post this episode on the Inside the Sequel Twitter account that you tweet out a whole bunch of gifs of Molly Shannon dancing in the restaurant with that sweater. <laughs> okay, Molly Shannon is like a treasure in oh, cinema. Oh, yes, yes, yes. When she's in a movie... You know it's going to be good. <laughs> Absolutely. She's an SNL alum, right? Oh, yeah. Probably one Big of the better SNL, SNL alums. Yeah. People talk about Will Ferrell in the 90s, but to me, it's Molly Shannon in the 90s. Oh, she's funnier SNL. than Will Ferrell, for sure. Yeah. Um, I also love how she says, you know, I really put myself out there and I wasn't comfortable to do that. But if you're not someone who's willing to support a woman with dreams, and then, I, then we should just stop dating now. <laughs> and I'm like... And he goes, yes. it kind of scared me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, men, take note. Support the woman. Support Molly Shannon is all I have to say. But he so did true. the right thing because the right woman for him is Elizabeth Mitchell, and there's just no denying that. Ah, true, true, true. Well, who ended up snatching up Molly, though? Ooh. That's what I want to know. I don't know. I don't know. Some lucky man <laughs> who likes to listen to her sing Shania Twain in restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I'm just like, I was born too close to the city to like country music. So, um, here's, so, so yeah, the Santa Claus two, if you're listening now, I think you definitely should incorporate it. Um, you can get past a few major speed bumps in it. And I think it's still a really good Christmas movie, even though it's not though those, those North Pole th- scenes are not good, but I still think it, it doesn't ruin how great of a Christmas movie this movie is. I wouldn't say great. I would say half great, half bad evening out to good i think it's good good great yeah i would i would i would go with that how um, many santa but, claus hats out of 10 would you give it just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i'm more mad we didn't get elves with attitude in this movie i was waiting for them where are the elves with attitude damn it. yeah damn it were they the kids playing football <laughs> probably i don't know they're they would be a little scary to play football because they have that you know attitude and the tinsel <laughs> that cuts through steel <laughs> when they're playing football outside i'm like oh football <laughs> they make a big like, deal out of the north pole football in this movie yeah they really do they were really trying to get those midwest dads that's right they were <laughs> yeah uh but daniel um thanks for hopping um hopping on this discussion um what's next uh for you now oh uh like today or like in internet content <laughs> Well, for Christmas, like like after Christmas, like for your podcast. Oh, sure. Um, well, well, actually, pretty soon here, uh, we've got two kind of exciting episodes coming on Cobwebs. I don't know when you're posting this, but from when we're recording, next week I'm releasing a full review and discussion of Mill Creek's new Hammer box set. It's a 20-film <laughs> ultimate collection of Hammer films. Uh, I did a discussion on that with Aaron Pinn, uh, a.k.a. Mr. Vinegar Syndrome, Mr. Cult of Cinema. Um, and he's just like... <laughs> by far one of the most knowledgeable movie fans on the internet good luck finding somebody who knows more than him except like maybe brian sour i don't know but he's he's brilliant and he's gonna be on uh so that's cool um then after that we're gonna be doing a christmas episode stephanie and i are doing a christmas episode on cobwebs um keeping the topic under wraps but it's a christmas episode and then uh yeah after that we're launching a new series like our first series was on dark castle movies and we're going to launch a new one. I'm not going to say what it is quite yet. But I also want to shout out, um, I'm going to be on a couple of guest spots of, of, on podcasts pretty soon here. I'm going to be on the Film Feast podcast again. And I'm going to be on the Cult Movies podcast, which is something that Anthony King runs. And it's on um, Danny Perry's Cult Movies book. And each episode is on a different 
movie that he covers in that book. Um, so I'm going to be guessing on that pretty soon. So yeah, you can uh, look that up. And if you, if you want to find any of this stuff I'm talking about, uh, just check me out on Twitter at uh, Epler Daniel, or you can check out uh, Cobwebs on Twitter at Cobwebs Pod. Yes, and you can find this podcast basically anywhere. It's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on everything. Basically, however you're listening to this is the same way you listen to um, Cobwebs. Actually, did you do your um, Spotify Rewind um, uh, for like 2020? Because the number one podcast I listened to was Cobwebs. Isn't that crazy? Oh, thanks, man. Mine was actually Screen Drafts, which makes sense because their episodes are really, really long. So that probably Mm -hmm. what did it, but I, I do really love Screen Drafts. Yeah, for Mitch listening, I'm sorry. (laughs) The turntable table came second, but it was definitely Cobwebs. And when it showed the amount of minutes logged in, I was like, I'm a junkie. I'm an addict. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm I'm Uh, honored, man, that uh, that we were number one. But then again, you're probably just listening to yourself, right? That's probably the reason. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm in there so I can just try to um, decipher each movie quote that's in your openings from like when you first started to like your new ones. And I'm keep trying to figure out what movies those are quotes are from. I'm looking forward to when you figure out what cobwebs you've got to be kidding me is from. So I'm not telling you, you Boy, gotta find it. I, I just had to really watch Dracula and Frankenstein to understand a few of the quotes from yours. So don't worry. I have a lot to do. Um, but you just made it to 50 episodes, which is a big deal. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And about, a about exactly a year and a half, we did 50 episodes. Uh, but, uh, th- thanks so much for being on here, Daniel. And, and uh, I hope you had a good time on here talking about Christmas movies. It's not going to have any cobwebs, but I'm sure it was a breath of fresh air. Oh, it was lots of fun, man. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me as always. You can follow us on Twitter at Inside Sequel. You can also email the show at sequelpod at gmail.com if you'd like to be a guest on the show. Honestly, just drop a DM and I'll probably check it out and uh, we can probably collab on something. You can follow me at Hurtastic underscore Chris and you can check out the YouTube channel at Hurtastic Reviews. Uh, And all I have to say for folks that are listening now is if you haven't seen the Santa Claus 2, do you really care about movies? Anyway, we'll see you next time.